This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Chorobal people and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and the modern Australian nation has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people following the arrival of Europeans. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 126 for Saturday, 2nd of May, 2020. I'm Jeremy Siapirko, and I will be joined each week by a different guest host or guest hosts to help me discuss what's just been happening in the country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest hosts are returning guest hosts, Nick Carr and Denise Siapirko. Welcome Yay. back. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having me. Well, I know we, we had a lot of alternative places we could be roaming at the moment, other than our homes <laughs> where the microphones are. And, yeah, and it's actually lucky I fit this in. <laughs> I, I'm very grateful that you guys have sacrificed all of the fun outdoor activities that you were. Hey, sometimes I take an entire walk around the block, the whole block, looking for leaves to pick up with our three-year-old. <laughs> the whole block. The whole block, I know. Well, you kind of cut a corner if you're taking the, the younger one. Well, that's true. That's true. And we also look for teddy bears in windows. Oh, yeah, that's a, I heard that's a good spotting activity. I'm currently uh, ignoring my mother's request to clean my room because apparently that's where I'm at now as a 33-year-old man still getting in trouble for not having a clean room. So that's good. That may, actually makes me feel better because there, there was a brief period when I moved back to Melbourne and, I, and before I found accommodation here, I had to stay with my parents for two weeks. And it's weird as an adult going back. Oh, yeah. It? It's not, but it's, it apparently doesn't matter who you are or what it is. It's always going to be a strange... And that, that's okay. As uh, 44-year-old adults, we still have issues with getting a clean house. I, I would like to blame that on the two children. Yeah. yeah. Have you considered Nick pretending that you have toddlers? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've tried telling mum that, but then, then she just gets excited that she's got grandkids and wants to see them. So. Raises more questions than it solves, really. Yeah, just, yeah, it's just all right, mum. It's just my toddlers. Wait a second. Wait I gave you the answer. Surely that ends this conversation. Yeah. Sometimes life is a mystery, mum. Just, just learn to live with it. Now, talking of mysteries, we have a big mystery this week, which is the weird idea that our Prime Minister is grateful. Is, should, we should be grateful to him for having saved us from this horrendous... Uh, yeah. from, from going down the path of the countries that he was trying to emulate early on and was stopped doing from doing by basically the state premiers. Anyway, <laughs> before, we, before we get into the discussion of Scott Morrison taking credit for things that are really quite dubious, I suppose we'd better cover some of the, or two of the big things that they've been trying this week. So just keeping in context, not only what happened at the beginning of this crisis, but also what they're doing right now. And there's two big things that I'm aware of, and, and you can join me, if, correct me if there's any that I've left out, that, but I thought we should chat about being, one, him trying to bribe private schools with $3 billion of public money to reopen, <laughs> and two, uh, declaring that from next Friday, I think, we're going to all get let out early because we're getting an early mark, which is apparently an expression which some Australians know and I certainly have never heard before. But No, yeah, I'm familiar with early mark. It must mm. be a real country country thing. No, I, I, I know it from Sydney as well, so I think perhaps oh, okay. it's a weird Victorian thing that uh, it, it's, like, well, how they, it's, like, it's, it's like how they don't have the right name for potato cakes down here. 
Yeah. Oh, oh what, what are they called? Potato cakes? Because we call them scallops. Yeah, we call them scallops. I, I just thought that yeah. New South Wales and Queensland were combined and everything because of that weird football thing. Um, no. <laughs> the early mark thing, I've never heard it down here, but Denise was saying that, that she's heard people... I have heard people use it on the construction site, but I think that, those people may be from Queensland. Yeah, so. they, may, they may have travelled. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that'd be it, yeah. Yeah, I'm very familiar with the early mark term. You would think that when prime ministers are making speeches like that, like in the old days, they would have had speechwriters and things who would have... You would sort of check to make it so it didn't sound quite so parochial and weird. So, like, because you know, prime minister is supposed to be the prime minister of the whole country, yeah. and when they're using like really New South Wales or Queensland expressions that don't travel, like it's ultimately not very important. But it's it's mm. kind of the it kind of feeds into this tone and this expression of this attitude, which is kind of like it's very Sydney centric. This prime minister, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's, the feeling is always. In fact, Not all three of them, Ab- Abbott, Turnbull and, and Morrison are all, all Sydney people. Yeah. To me, it always, I, I think it's an intentional choice. He tries to sound very dorky dad and try to use like colloquial sayings and stuff for that reason. Like he really is playing the dad thing whenever mm. he can. Like, it's all right. Come here, kids. Like even the fact that he's like, nah, Australians, you've earned an early mark. It's like that dad, that PE teacher. It's like, good game, son. You can have an ice cream now. You know, like that's. <laughs> It really good game would have been better. Good, good game. Yeah. You played good game. Good game, guys. Good game. Yeah, that's it. Good defense. But that's at least more general. Like that's that that travels around the nation. Everybody get on with that. Along those <laughs> lines, pedestrian actually uses a hilarious line, um, to, referring to this early Mark thing, saying he's presenting himself as the deeply weird middle management boss the nation never really asked for. <laughs> so, so I saw, remember this when when Howard was prime minister, and Howard was a deeply destructive, insidious dangerous person who did a whole lot of really nasty things and and he was scary in a lot of ways yeah also whilst being a really untrustworthy like you know there's a reason why his nickname was the lying rodent even amongst his own party (laughs) but he got away with it because if you're a sinister menacing sort of person but you can present yourself physically as a bit of a bit of a dork yeah he's he's just a bit of a comical looking weird little guy he's He's like he loves his cricket and he's yeah it's really hard to see somebody as threatening when they come across as a little bit comical. Yeah. Mm. And I think that we, particularly that lefties tended to, by, by trying to demean him in that way about being the dork that he was and like sort of mocking his fairly, you know, dorky mannerisms, mm. I think we actually helped him. Yeah. I think that that, and I think that Morrison is aware of that. Yeah. Mm. And, or at least he's, he's, I don't know, his advisors are aware of that and recognise that if you want to do evil shit... Come across as harmless yeah. and be, be dor- dorky and daggy is not is, yeah. is not something people get worried about. Yeah, that's it. I think yeah, and and then because I think that the you know your average member of the population or whatever they see that in themselves, so that when we attack those things, they're like, oh, they're attacking. I think that's what helped Trump too. Like every time he uh. said something ridiculous or sounded like really uh, <laughs> you know like sounded like a bit like an idiot, he thinks injecting bleach might be a good idea. <laughs> I don't know why that's a bad yeah. idea. He thinks that antibiotics kill viruses. Yeah. That doesn't sound wrong. Don't mock him for the fact that he doesn't know something basically like that. Go back with Trump. You go back to the election period when he would say things, and then we people would call him out on saying those dumb things. He'd be like, "Oh, well, I'm just you know that it's a man of the people, and they're keeping they don't like the people." Yeah, it's that I'm not I'm not one of the elites or whatever. Like, and that seems to elites who know what words mean. Yeah. yeah. Or, or who knows what antibiotics do. Yeah. Those elites. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes back to this big movement of anti-intellectualism, yeah. which sometimes feels like anti-intelligence, but that, that's a bit off the thing. The other thing he said when he talked it about, you know, this early market, it's not that we are going to be released from next Friday. It's that 
the decision to be made that was going to be made on the 11th, which is when uh, when we start easing the restrictions, they're going to meet on the 8th to yeah, make the decision yeah. instead of on the 11th because, you know, maybe we'll be able to do it. But he said that we can't keep Australia under the Duna. Yeah, again, that's a weird one. I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> I, I mean, right right now, being under the Duna sounds like... Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I was, I'm a big fan of being under that nice, yeah. warm, cosy Duna at the moment. Maybe even two Dunas. I was, uh, yeah, I was under a Duna this morning and it was very difficult to get out. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was a struggle. We, we, we liked it so much we pile up an additional one. Yeah. <laughs> the daggy thing, we move on to because I, I think the most important point here is why are they talking about raising restrictions when a bunch of other things are happening? So we'll get just... To, the, one, the, the last thing I want to say on the daggy thing is I don't think it's the daggy thing for... Howard and Morrison is so much the anti-intellectualism thing because I don't think either of them are trying to come across as incompetent. Yeah. They're both simply trying to present a harmless face yeah. as a shield for the destructive shit they actually yeah. want to do. So it's kind of a little bit different from the anti-intellectualism. This is more the let my mannerisms take the heat yeah. rather than the substance. So in terms of the substance of releasing early, I think, Denise, you were just finding there uh, there was something that in, in relation to a meatpacking plant in Victoria or something. Yeah, that... so there's a meatpacking plant in Victoria where overnight they've had three new cases, bringing the cases at the meatpacking plant up to eight. Um, the health minister here has said that there's the meat pa- they're not letting you know where it is. Yeah. It's been shut down. Um, there's no issue to public ha- safety or public health. Um, but it's just... It, it's worry about like these little pockets of outbreaks that are happening. There's been a few more, three more residents at that aged care home in New South Wales, mm-hmm. where over half the residents have tested positive. There's been three more staff members there that have tested positive. Overnight. And I think the New South Wales cases, most of them, they have they're unknown sources, so it's not like there's they can lot, trace them back. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few unknown sources yeah. in New South Wales, and they're already talking about doing staggered school from the 11th. So I have a friend whose daughter's going to be going back for you know one one day a week, and so that's how they're they're going to do this whole staggered approach. Okay. Yeah. So. It seems like when they say that we've flattened the curve, we've still only got it back to, like, at the beginning of this whole thing, there are only one or two cases. Yeah. And then they escalated. Like, if we get them down back to one or two cases, and then we just go, off we go, they go back up again. With all the previous pandemics, the second wave is worse than the first. Just going, well, we got that one almost to zero. Yeah, but almost to zero is not zero. (laughs) And I think this messaging is really scary and really dangerous right now. I ran out to grab a couple groceries this morning and did the whole um, run out early, try to get in and out before the crowds. And as I drove back, did people say out of Malay, Malay range? Malay? Malay. Malay. But yeah, Malay. they did, did say, they say out of Malay, Malay range. range. Yeah, well, I you think need a broadsword. So no, it was my pull arm. I had a pull arm. So it was really good. I could just, you know, whack people with it. Yeah. Oh, good. The number of people coming in and the number of people coming in in whole families with yeah. uh, with kids running around everywhere and then the number of cars in the parking lot because I had to go because I had to get a click and collect. So I had to go further away. So I drove back past all of these, you know, smaller malls and so you know like i'm driving past the mall in vermont south and things like that and the parking lot was full and i'm not talking a small parking lot like absolutely packed Mm. because i think that when you've got a prime minister who has throughout this been trying to downplay it Mm. it's it's got it has the effect of being downplayed um encouraging the people who will listen to that person to think it's fine and to take these risks which makes it us all much less safe yeah one of the things they talk about is that we've met 11 of the 15 measures that the experts at the australian health protection principal committee have suggested now i've just found here um on abc.net.au, the uh, the list of the 11 we've met, and sort of worryingly, the four we haven't met. 
So the 11 we met are community adherence to public health measures. Which is the one they're planning on dropping. Yeah, which is scary. Well-developed understanding of the modeling capability, including understanding of transmission. Do we? I don't think anybody fully understands how this mm, virus no. transmits at this point. That's not, how have we passed that? Anyway. Yeah. Testing capacity. That does not sound and they, credible they given our experience. And one of, of the interesting things is when I pulled into the mall this morning um, to go get my the things I needed, um, they had set one of the parking garages aside for COVID drive through COVID testing. Well, that's good. Yeah. That, but I, and, I haven't and there was it. a huge number of people in the car queues to get it done. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of a lot that isn't that's not available efficiently. Yep. A strong yeah. public health workforce. We do sort of have that. Yeah. Maybe. Contact tracing capacity. Well, no, because we don't. We're not all going to download that app. No. And then a couple of these are ones that are going to really could crumble really quickly. Healthcare system able to cope with current demand. Well, yeah, we can cope with the current demand, but that's because it is at the level it is. Yeah. They claim that they've got surge capacity yeah. in the healthcare system, but they claim that they have enough hospital beds and ventilators. Hang on, go back. the surge capacity. What do you mean we've got surge capacity? How much surge capacity do we and have? Like, what is gonna, that surge capacity? I don't know that we've got enough. And also, you know, if they're going to start doing the elective surgeries again, that they said they're going to start allowing elective surgeries from sort of mid-May-ish, then will some of that surge capacity go? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, I've, I've got a friend who's a nurse here in Toowoomba, and um, she was like, right at the start of this, she was telling me how fewer, how, how like low the numbers of respirators and stuff like that are. Like, there's just, there's like a handful. Mm. Like, it's like three yeah, or four or something in expensive. the whole area. So as soon as you get three or four cases everybody's fucked you know like we don't really have many active cases at the moment but yeah so when they yeah. say adequate stocks of masks and adequate stocks of medications, medications. for what now well and the other thing Not, they no, say- like the whole point of the growth of a virus when it's exponential is that you jump past that very quickly yeah. and that they have ongoing workforce training i what what does that even mean Anyway, yeah. it seems a bit nebulous. so what are, what are the ones that they can see that we failed the four that we aren't meeting yet is the app downloads well, that's the contact tracing thing. No, well, we have masks. We don't have enough gowns and gloves. All right. It's like like if you wait the film Outbreak, if they're like, yeah, we've got everything except for one of the arms. <laughs> so we're just doing all our work on Ebola now, but we've, we've got almost all, we've got a decent set of complete outfits except for the right arms. None of them have right arms. <laughs> but, but, but look, so, about, look at the bits that are covered. I mean, isn't that the important part? No, you have to remember these are about disease surveillance and not surveillance in general. But the other two they're talking about is enhanced surveillance. So they want to see sophisticated surveillance of COVID-19 spread across the community. Mm. And resources for that surveillance plan. And it just, as soon as you start using the word surveillance, I start getting really scared. Well, I think some places around the world are doing it with um, heat. They do, they have these, Mm. they have scanners that sort of picking. In fact, I I think Amazon was just reporting. I have a friend whose partner is working on the heat surveillance in the UK. He's from Australia. They've moved there. He's uh, one of the people working on the heat surveillance. He's a, he works in epidemiology and was interviewed recently for BBC. But yeah, talking about how they can track people of temperatures. Oh, wow. Mm. Cool. I'm, I'm hoping this isn't objectifying, but I was about to say, well, you better not go to any of the places where they're testing for whether people are hot. Hey! Yeah. Uh, but, but, but then smoothie. is that appropriate on a podcast? I can't uh, be quite... I don't anyway. Know. Um, is that because I'm always freezing cold and want to be bundling up in like 7 million tuna? <laughs> yes, it's because you're sitting near the heat. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's entirely what I meant. It wouldn't work here in this country because we're all under the doona at the moment. We're all hot. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. We're all trapped. Checking for who, which people are the coziest. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how like people are pretty blase about it all because it like especially in areas like where i am here where it's not as the population is as dense like every small like i'm still going out <laughs> well, given the local member that you have who they've apparently voted for that explains <laughs> yeah. Yeah. maybe the population is a bit dense pretty dense yeah, they are. Uh-huh. absolutely See, the word has two different meanings you can use yeah. it <laughs> ow they both work yeah we um 
But we get like, because I'm still going out on inspections for work. I'm still meeting people every day. Every inspection we book, we sort of say to people, oh, um, now just when you when the, the person gets there, can you just make sure all the doors are open? Um, you know, all the windows, so they don't have to touch anything. But every, like, out of like for the last three weeks, I've probably done 30 or 40 or 50, I don't know, inspections. Not a single person has done that. And they think it's like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to catch anything off us. Like, we're fine. But it's like, no, if I'm touching... Like I'm going yeah. to these different places. Like I, you know, like it's not the danger to me; it's the danger to you. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not. It's but they just don't get it because they all say, like, you know, every all the small towns I go to, they've all said, "Oh, we haven't had any cases here yet, so it's not not something we have to worry about." And you're like, oh. I had a friend who went for a physio yesterday, mm. and she had to when she got to the door, put on a pair of gloves and put on a mask, not to protect herself so much as to protect the people doing the physio, like the physiotherapist. Yeah. You know, like not only did they check in with you and ensure that you're not sick and all of that sort of thing, they also have, they're asking these other questions. That's also a very revealing remark, though, the idea that, that, that it can't be from them because, you know, they're good people. They're not the good people who would, who would yeah. carry a virus. And that's the kind of consequence that you get from the right wing trying to push at this line of it being the Chinese virus and being mm. and, and from people, from foreign, like, it gives people the idea that it's that, that the virus is spread by bad people. Yeah. And I'm not a bad person, therefore I'm immune to the virus. I'm and not that kind of stupid... Mm. So, yeah, that, that kind of ignorance is, re- as, I mean, it's why it's probably a large part of how America's fallen into the hole that it is too, that, that sense that we don't need to, we, you know, we're, it's, we're not the people who are likely to carry a virus because we're, we don't think of ourselves as that sort of person. Yeah. There's a sort of person who spreads viruses and therefore we, we don't do anything to, it's, it's this arrogance that's also really oh, dangerous. And yeah. I see people's like posts on Facebook, like, well, I wash my hands, so I'm fine. Like, and, and these are not people I'm friends with. These are things that come up in communities <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We do go talk the, about the private school funding. Yeah, let's it's go. another one of the ways that the federal government, so it actually seems to be the state governments that have led the coronavirus um, efforts. Yeah, and I think this is the big point to make in and, a second when people are being like, Australia can pat yeah. itself on the bat, we've done so well. And, not because yeah. of scummo, it's in spite of scummo. It's yeah. it was withheld by the states. But exactly, and so... He, it's very much like he's been held hostage. He's been forced under the doona. Um, <laughs> he's been trying to t- throw the doona off and leave us all very cold. Yeah. And um, But at the same point, he's taking all the credit, right? But then he does idiotic things like this where he they've promised Catholic and independent schools uh, their next quarter of funding early if they can reopen their schools and have half their students in classrooms by the 1st of June. And they had to apply by the 1st of May. So they had to pretty much immediately say, yes, yes, we'll do this. And this is against what the states are recommending. <laughs> Don't wait for the translation. <laughs> Don't wait for the translation. Answer me now. Commit to this now. Yeah. yeah. But it's against it's against the state recommendations. It's before they even have their, you know, May 8th meeting about whether we should start easing restrictions. And, for example, here in Victoria, where they're still taking things pretty strict, strictly and schools aren't aren't even going to start considering opening until after like the 22nd i think they said might be the earliest they start having staggering some of the kids back but they aren't even sure about that it's just a way to like put a further wedge in and being like oh well we'll give you this funding and don't listen to the state government and it's just yeah. a horrible move it feels it feels mm. to me like do what we want. Don't do what... Well, yeah. The school seems to be weird from the very beginning because Scummo's all, had a whole thing about shutting the schools from the very beginning. He, he hasn't wanted to do it. Although yeah. he... And he played funny buggers about whether his daughters were at school and, and yeah. apparently they weren't because he's, he's a hypocrite as well. But he wanted, other, he wanted the schools to be open for other people and he was trying to demand that that happen. But because the states run the education systems, they overrode him. Mm. He didn't get yeah. what he wanted. He wanted the schools shut. They said no. 
Sorry, he wanted them open, and they said, no, we're going to shut them. And then yeah. on the 16th of April, he actually said, Scott Morrison, if you're going to school in Victoria, there's only one person you need to listen to, and that's the premier of Victoria. And then, like, a week later, they make this offer to the independent and the private yeah. school. Like, in well, the that's what, It feels like they've realized that the one thing they, they where they... Where they have the power to override the states would be bribing with public money, with our taxpayer mm. money, bribing the, the the independent system, as in independent of uh, you know restrictions from the rest of us, but certainly not independent of taking our money. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so it feels like this. It's this weird. Like I don't know how it makes any sense for like one of the school systems to be open and the other one to be yeah. shut either. Like within the same state, like no, yeah. if the state schools are shut, opening the private schools is. A, a, a weird Well, and call. the state schools aren't shut. They are actually open. But what they're open for is people who have no other choice. People who are essential workers or yeah. kids who are disadvantaged and have nowhere to go. Mm. Like, it's right? a very... I, they, yeah, I no, thought they were doing mainly online. Mainly oh, they're doing mainly online. online working. But if you're an essential worker and don't have childcare, if you are in a place, position where, you know, you don't have a parent at home you can stay home with, or if you're in a, like, a high-risk, vulnerable position and you need to, you know, get out of your house during the day, for example, mm. schools are open for that, but they're not getting very many kids yeah. because most people are keeping them home at the recommendation. So what's the rationale? For, what, what is his excuse for trying to bribe one of the with huge amounts of public money to open in contrary to the other education systems out of sheer is it simply the sheer bloody mindedness of I wanted them open from the yeah. beginning and this and I didn't get my way but this one I can yeah so, and it's um, a handy he, excuse to give money to his church mates again like any he, he's just taking any excuse he can to just give money to the churches mm. and interestingly you look at things like I and I know we just discussed it last week but like Peter Dudden's tweet about you know and uh in uh, Queensland being like you're 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 kowtowing to the teachers union and uh, by keeping the oh, you know yeah. these schools shut cuz those teachers unions hate having kids in school <laughs> yeah, it, look there are there are, there is a spectrum of right wing personality that seems to be at, at various amounts motivated by whatever it is that the left hates is what yeah. we want to do even if they, we don't actually otherwise really care about that issue if it's something that the left cares about we just want to do whatever would like stick it in the face of those lefties we hate. And that, that very much feels like like it's a weird thing for Dutton to come in on. And we'll come in in a minute for the, the other weird thing for Peter Dutton to come in on this week. But yeah, it's, it's an odd, as if you've already got this National Council of Premiers trying to address what should happen with kids at school. You're trying to have a national approach to it. Yeah. The idea that it's, that this health response is to do with pushed by teachers unions. Like it's, such a weird conspiracy thing, but I guess in Peter yeah. Dutton's mind, like you know, if something's happening that's inconvenient for me, it must be mm. the filthy lefties that are that are behind They're trying it. Trying to ruin him, yeah. And it's interesting how they love that you know they love the the state system now, where it's like, oh no, we want to put our rule, you know, we want to be the one in charge. But during the bushfires, it's like, well, you know, oh, look, we, <laughs> we we could help, but you know, you got to let the states do their thing. This, you know, the states are really the ones in charge. So it's like when shit's on fire, it's like, oh, it's the states, but. You know, when they want to get their rich kids' friends back to school or whatever, it's like, no, 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 listen to Big Daddy. Listen to Big Daddy yeah. Morrison. Yep. That's so weird. And so I guess this probably, we should probably cover the whole this whole idea, and I've seen a bunch of American news outlets trying to send the message to their own countries about how much better we could be doing it. Look at Australia and New Zealand. And then, of course, if they say something nice about Australia, then, of course, your, your commercial news breakfast shows have them on and be like, yeah, tell us more about how great Australia is. <laughs> That's one of the things I think our politicians have done very well. They've taken politics out of this on a federal and state level. They've worked very well together. Do you think that's the main reason that America has struggled so much to contain this virus, that people are not working together? 
And we've got in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald this, uh, yesterday, we had uh, Australia, we ought to be congratulated. You ought to be congratulated. <laughs> okay, so this idea that because Australia has done better than a lot of the world, the, the place is led by complete idiots. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning, because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs, so it'd be interesting to check that, so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. This idea that because Australia has done better than a lot of the world, that we should be, I don't know, that, that Morrison's done a good job, that we should be grateful to him, we should ignore the fact that out of Australia and New Zealand, one has had much better outcomes than the other, and that was the one that actually shut down quickly rather than yeah. rather than the half-assed response that Morrison came up with before he was pulled into line. Where, where the leader led. The leader was ahead of the curve rather than just responding <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Yeah. yeah, and New Zealand had much better outcomes because they did that, and we've been lucky because partly because of the low allocation, you know, both Australia and New Zealand are obviously islands, mm. but... The main thing that's diff- that, that we've been lucky with is that, in this case, the federal system actually saved us. We had states that basically pulled the prime minister into line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As it. we can see this week, his instincts are all wrong. His instincts are all, oh, you know, this is all. We, let, let's just open it as quickly as possible. Not yeah. let's be cautious. So his instincts are always the wrong ones on those. Yeah, and he was slow to shut everything. He was slow to shut it all down. He didn't oh, want to do Go to the it. footy, go to the footy, have, yeah. have have 500 people at an event. Okay, have 200 people at an event. Oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't be having events. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're closing hairdressers. Oh, you know what? No, no, we're going to open them back up again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, um, the thing about the hairdressers. That they, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But male haircuts, not like 30-minute ones, but not longer or something. It was so There was so many weird... And it's like... We've forgotten all that, I, or they're, they're trying very hard to shove it down the memory hole, and we pretend that you know if there's any kind of positive stuff, let's let, since it's a nation, let's give credit to the national leader. Yeah, it's, mm. it's incredible, but it like the upsetting thing is that works. People forget. People do forget. People have already forgotten the bushfires. People have already forgotten the sports rot scandal, which. Stuff was still coming out when this all kicked off. Like, stuff was still coming, and that's just being completely wiped off the map. People just forget, and they're giving him credit. They're saying he's doing a great job. And, like, someone tried to tell me the other day that, oh, you know, look, he's doing the economic stimulus. And then I'm like, look, I would, yes, some of the economic stimulus has been helpful, but I would be a lot more accepting of that argument if he ha- his party hadn't spent the last 10 years going, nah, Labor really fucked up with the economic stimulus during the GFC. Oh, economic stimulus is bad. Except when we yeah. do it. And so, like, Labor still aren't getting any credit. No one's going, you know what, in hindsight, I mean, other than the people who are already on Labor's side, like, no one's going, you know, in hindsight, that was a good idea too. You know, like, spending a bit of money to keep the country afloat, that's not a bad idea. But now, like, Morrison's getting the credit. I don't know how they're so good at doing that, making people think of what Labor did as, like, a, as a fuck-up and what they're doing now, which is basically very along very similar lines of what they were doing, I suppose, a few months ago when this all first happened. Because he conceded he just had to do economic stimulus. But now it's a good thing. Now it's like, oh, no, he's doing a good job. I'm like, he's just doing what he said. That He's just done the same thing that he spent the last 10 years saying that Labor fucked up. It, it, it makes me crazy. It makes me sad. So and, and he gets away every time he announces yeah. a thing that sounds good. From way back in the bushfires, include like you're only yeah. offered the cash to the bush, the firefighters, the volunteer after saying, no, we're not going to do it. And they, they don't want this assistance. You know, hence Paul from Nellingen being like, no, we really <laughs> enjoy doing this job. For fucking free, like, they do it for fun. Yeah. 
but but then when you found it, so he makes the announcement, oh yeah, we're going to give them some money, we're going to support, you know, give them these cash payouts. But like everything that this government's done, you look into the detail of it, and it turns out that it's really stingy and horrible and barely applies. Yeah. Like the, the firefighter one, where it was like only if they, only for the bit that overlapped their work hours, and only after like ten free days, and like it was, yeah. yeah. And the same with this, like the Centrelink, the additional Centrelink money, the yeah. the stimulus things, they, they've all been targeted in ways that, that rule out people quite unjustly. Yeah. Uh, and and but they but they get away with the announcements sounding like they've done all this help yeah. when in reality it doesn't flow through it doesn't trickle down to the rest of us as it were mm-hmm. yeah because well, we don't we don't hold them accountable down the line like people I suppose yeah the average punter who doesn't really pay that much attention to it they just hear oh he's gonna do this oh it's as good as done cool I don't have to worry about that anymore you know yeah. and then they move on they don't actually go okay oh so oh they've they haven't. You know, it's a year down the track and they haven't done that or they, they didn't keep their promise. We need to hold them accountable for that. Yeah. Who, who cares? It's old news. It's in the past. The yeah, thing. that's it. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to hang up on that? Yeah. Frydenberg promised that we were in the black. Oh, we weren't. Oh, well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, they celebrated it early and then, you know, they had the mugs and all that sort of stuff and then it didn't happen and now they're just like, oh, well, you know. Things have changed. And that, that's what another thing that's really frustrating for me uh, when you talk to people uh, is that, you know, like we were going to hit a recession anyway. Yeah. Like we were, we were well and truly, there was no avoiding it. We were hitting a recession. Yeah. And now, now it's just, this, oh, it's because of the yeah, virus. It's because yeah. of the virus. It's like, it's got nothing to do with, like, we were already fucking in it, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no. They, they, it, it is really going to be helpful for them selling how everything's gone to shit that it was already going to shit. Yeah. And they'll be able to pretend, oh, no, we were definitely going to be in the black. Yeah. Like, they never produced that. It yeah. never happened. We were definitely going to be it. You can't prove otherwise because we don't have you know the parallel timeline where this didn't happen. Yeah, and yeah. they get away with it. And, and it doesn't make any sense, Nick and Denise. I don't understand how they don't get held to account by all the fine journalists working for independent news outlets <laughs> like News Corporation and you know Channel Nine. That's uh, with the chairman Peter Costello. I, I, and, and, that's uh, weird. It's and so the weird, ABC that they've cowed into complete submission to to pandering <laughs> to the right so often that uh, because they, they're so scared of being portrayed as something. I mean, I suppose it's the Guardian, which which some people download. So yeah. you know, that, I mean, surely that counters all of the other newspapers, <laughs> t- yeah. and TV outlets, and everything else in the country. Yeah. How is it that the right right wing side of politics gets away with this nigger? Yeah. And that, yeah. that doesn't make any sense, Denise. I don't understand it. Yeah. Neither do I. Now, interestingly, if you were going to convene a state task force in Victoria that was going to look at how to reopen casinos, gaming facilities, and pubs, wouldn't you think the most trustworthy people to put on this task force would be Cram Resorts, Tab Corp, <laughs> the Woolworth Pokies Arm, ALH, the Australian Hotels Association, and the community yeah. clubs at well, that's, RSL that's Victoria? that's the industry side. So what's on the other side to compare? They're the side that wants that, to... That, that is the group. I think it includes them. I don't. I don't think that's the full. It says parties involved include. Presumably, there's the other side. It's an industry group uh, convened by the Andrews government. Wait, only the industry? Yeah. 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 Are you mad? And they're going to propose a way that they can virus-proof measures so they can reopen these things. Why is the other side the people who are sane about pokies and recognise what a scourge they are? Mm. No, they won't get a say. No. I'd I'd like Tim Friedman to be on the panel. Yeah. (laughs) So he has a plan. He has a good plan. He, yeah. he knows what he wishes. And I yeah. think that there's a lot, lot of benefits to be drawn from giving Tim Friedman what he wants in the right <laughs> of the area. Uh, Neil Spencer, Crown's former head of gaming and an industry veteran, was hired by the Andrews government to head the task oh, force. Oh, for Pete's sake. Fucking hell, yeah. 
Mm. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the other weird thing that. that so it made sense to pass uh, rental restrictions, stopping landlords from kicking out tenants during the crisis because mm-hmm. throwing people out onto the street when they've lost their jobs is a bit bonkers and also spreads a virus. But it's also insanely inhumane. So I understand that you needed to pass something stopping landlords from kicking out people. Now, mm. I would say that there are, that we should be doing that more broadly and that, that we should be making it much harder for landlords to just kick out tenants for no you know, no reason. But um, oh, also, Nick, thank you so much for joining me in filling your body in, in the podcast with the uh, Toxic Green V because I, I, oh, I, yeah, I no. I'm constantly being shamed by everybody else on yeah. the podcast for doing it. And no, uh, it's, it's good to have my vices indulged. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've been a great... That's, that's half the reason I'm a fan of the podcast, Jeremy. I think one of the first episodes I listened to, you said you drink V, and I'm like, finally, someone else, someone else, a kindred spirit. I love it. Yeah. I love so, it. Some, somebody else destroying their body with this sludge. <laughs> I mean, As opposed to me destroying my body with coffee. Yeah, I don't but, want to ask but, Tim Friedman what he thinks about the V. Um, <laughs> anyway, back, that's, back, that is an addiction that we can't blow up. What? That, yeah, back to what you were saying. <laughs> I, I had a point that I was going to make. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, um, the rental thing. So it makes sense to have it go... To protect tenants, because tenants are at risk of homelessness. Mm. It doesn't make sense to do what mm. they've actually done, which is make it go both ways. So according to what the Tenants Union um, Victoria published um, in relation to the laws, between now and September, if you are on a month-to-month lease, so you don't have a lease anymore, your landlord, you know, when times were good, didn't feel that they needed to because they'd like to be, have the right to easily kick you out uh, rather than giving you a new lease. Uh, they'd like to have that power to you know, kick you out and get a new renter in at a higher rent if they felt like it or, you know, if they decided to kick you out for any reason, which they can. Um, so you're on a month-to-month lease. You don't have any rights except now under this thing they can't kick you out and make you homeless during this period. But according to the new laws that, that Victoria's passed, you also can't move. You can't <laughs> give notice yourself. You are trapped paying rent in a house, no matter what happens, yeah. um, including if you lose your job and need to, needed to go um, to a, a place where, you, you know, if your landlord won't reduce your rent, you don't want to be running up a giant debt because they're not mm. they're not waiving rents. They're just, say, they're just being like, you can't be evicted for it. But your landlord can still come after you for a giant rent that you can't pay necessarily. So you couldn't leave for that. But, or you couldn't leave because you needed to move closer to family you needed to care for. Or between now and September, you got a job in, the, in a different region. You can't move. It's insane. Why on earth? Okay, obviously the landlords would like to not have to run the risk of tenants nicking off when the market's a bit low. That's great for them and their commercial interests, but I don't see why people's basic living arrangements, basic you know rights to housing, should uh, be trumped by landlords wanting to be able to keep them in place. That yeah. is mad. Certainly landlords need to be restrained from kicking people out during a pandemic. Mm. But people who can find accommodation, who've got reasons why they have to move... Um, and, and the threshold for giving a notice to vacate, vacate, there are some grounds on which you can do it, but they seem to be really grim ones, like um, the financial hardship might, is one of them. But they're not like, I have a job somewhere else. I need to move to that job. Yeah. Um, that's not counted? Mm. How is that? I don't understand. Why. So, Nick, I think you were looking up what the other yeah, states have done. Have they done something similar? Well, I've looked up what uh, we've done here in Queensland, and it doesn't seem like... Uh, we're doing the same thing. We've there's like they've got um, a cap on uh, breaking lease fees if your income's reduced by seventy five percent, or and you've got savings less than five thousand. So it seems like tenants can still leave here, and they've actually tried to make it easier for tenants to leave if they have been affected by COVID. Um, yeah, here they've got they've given them the rights to refuse entry for non essential reasons. So like, uh, yeah, we, we oh, we, like those monthly inspections, six monthly inspections and stuff. You can say yeah. no. 
Yeah, in Queensland you can. Yep, yep, you can. That yep. should be uh, the case here. I wrote angrily to my local member here being about yeah. the fact that you can't. Um, oh my god, I, I'm such a I'm such a middle class white male. Um, I wrote to my local <laughs> member of parliament and I said, "Dear sir, I, um, but no, it's like the, the idea that um, that they can still send people through your home." Um, yeah. is mad during a pandemic. And I know that, that you know, yeah. agents are doing, uh, our agents wanting to do an inspection, um, this one by video, which is better than coming through the house, but yeah. still intrusive and nonsense. Yeah, they, they, I mean, that sort of affects us at work as well. Like we, we I mean, I don't think, I, I haven't had any people, uh, tenants refuse me to come through yet, but we, there are, they are putting in place like um, steps with virtual inspections and stuff. And that is the one thing in Queensland. It says if you do uh, do refuse entry for a non-essential reason, you must agree to a virtual inspection. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah. But here, here in Victoria, they can still force people through your house for, for physical inspections when they're selling and things. We had some friends where they were, they were going through the house and they were touched. And they, they're supposed to be like one at a time. Yeah, they, they let like in touching. a big group and they were supposed going to be in. supervised at all times <laughs> and they just let them split up and wander off by themselves. So they yeah. were touching things and... That's See, that, that's so shame. So you know, let's let's yeah. not let's not pretend that Daniel Andrews is the world's greatest premier. Yeah. There's there's some shonky things like that, and and I know they're, they're unforgivable things that need to be fixed. Yeah, like the idea that people are trapped until September, no matter what <laughs> their personal circumstances. That is mad. That is that makes no sense. So while we're talking about Scummo taking credit for things, we probably should have played this a little bit earlier, actually. But uh, Brandon Selleck, who did the podcast last week with me, he has recorded a stuck in my core on this very subject. Hi Jeremy and hi everyone listening, thanks for having me back. What's gotten stuck in my crawl this week is the fact that we seem to be prematurely ending lockdown provisions so people can return to work and businesses can reopen. Now I understand that this lockdown has been difficult for a lot of people and I also understand that I've been in a fairly privileged position where I've been able to isolate myself plus also continue to work and earn money and not be at any risk of anything else that other people may be at risk of at the moment but we cannot be said to be home and dry in regards to this pandemic we can't even be said to be home and vigorously telling ourselves off we've managed to flatten the curve but in this country that is more by dumb luck and location than by the leadership provided by our government and our prime minister Remember, Scott Morrison wanted us to go to the football and attend church ceremonies before the lockdowns started in earnest. It was only because people were self-isolating in advance of that that we managed to flatten the curve as much as we have. Also, the fact that Australia is an island and it's fairly easy to close our borders in that regard to prevent any outsiders coming in. So we've been fairly lucky in the fact that we've had few, few cases as opposed to other countries and fewer deaths as opposed to other countries. But opening things up now is premature, particularly since, one, history has shown that a second wave of such a pandemic can be devastating, and we have only just finished the the first wave, if anything. And second, we've still got to get through the winter and the cold and flu season therein, and that's going to cause a lot of health problems this year. And we'll tax our health services enough that if there is a second wave of the pandemic it will do what everyone feared at the first instance and bring our health services to collapse to the point of collapse if not beyond and thus causing more problems more deaths more issues using the economy as a justification for ending lockdown provisions early is not a good one there is a study from the university of cambridge 
which I've only just seen in the last couple of days, which I'll get Jeremy to post a link up to, that shows that if we hadn't locked things down, the effects on the economy with all the deaths and disruption of services would have been even more devastating than locking down well, than locking things down. I think the difference is between 15, 15% and over 40%. So while I understand that pe some people are having a hard time with this, we are not out of the woods yet. While uh, a uh, vaccine is potentially 18 months away, and there are at least 89 vaccines that being tested at the moment or at least being researched at the moment i should properly say generally speaking a vaccination takes 10 years to develop 18 months is an incredible fast track scott morrison was right at least in first instance when he said this was probably going to shut the country down for six months six months is a conservative estimate but we really shouldn't be rushing into ending this lockdown considering that we haven't hit winter we haven't hit cold and flu season and the second wave could certainly hit us very easily and that's what's stuck in my craw sorry for the doom and gloom on that one hopefully jeremy you are discussing something a bit more lighthearted at the moment well first of all i'd like to say it's very optimistic of brandon to think that on this podcast we're talking about cheerful things and and not doom and gloom. <laughs> we're talking about australian politics one of the funniest most lighthearted and enjoyable yeah. subjects known to man i'm having a ball and and cranky toddler <laughs> ah Ah. Um, I, I agree with him. The, a lot of, I think, our success at flattening the curve has been some sheer yeah. dumb luck. And I think... And Premier's restraining the, bad, the worst impulse of the Prime Minister. And I think, I think if we start easing these restrictions too soon, we are going to have a massive second outbreak and it's not yeah. going to be kind. The 18 months of vaccine thing is scary. interesting though because like, how, what, what is the practical way of surviving over that period of time Lockdown. Can, can the, if we have to wait until there's a vaccine, I mean, can we wait until no. there's a vaccine? No, but, the, but I think there's going to be some form of social distancing in place until there is. And 18 months is a really fast-tracked one where they've done, like, sort of push testing through. Yeah, yeah, we definitely won't. Like, there's going to be a lot of other problems, I think, that pop up. Like, I was talking to someone the other day who was sort of fairly high up in um, sort of Queensland Health, and I was saying, like, just the, the amount of like domestic violence cases and mental health issues that are coming up from the, mm. the isolation like is is so it is like a, a bit of a balancing act i suppose where it's like at what point does this does the social distancing become you know like worse for some people than than just the risk of the virus so i, I don't know how they handle that really but because yeah. some people are suffering being stuck at home you also have the job losses yeah. and um you know, people being stood down, so uh, money issues are, yeah. are you know, they often increase things like domestic violence. Like these things come hand in hand. The money stuff is stuff that the government, well, the money stuff is stuff the government can deal with by way of yeah supporting people when they've lost their job, like proper support and continuing that, which costs money, but there are ways of raising that revenue mm -hmm. and fund it. So the country could manage that. In terms of, I mean, maybe we can... Maybe we can yeah. work it out. But the problem is that this government refuses to raise revenue. No, yeah, that's it. They like won't that. make the people um, who have benefited the most from uh, how lucky we are to live in a country with massive uh, mineral and, and resource reserves. Uh, they're not going to make mm. them pay, pay their fair share, fair share. You know, like they're happy to pull the profits out of the ground. But when it turns comes time for them to maybe pay a little bit of it back, they're nowhere to be seen. Um, 
Exactly. Oh, we yeah. don't have that money. Well, that, that, that was specifically the whole thing that killed the Rudd government was that they they were being asked to contribute more of that back into the the, you know, the nation from which they were taking that mineral wealth, and they were like, uh, <laughs> we no. could, or we could spend a lot of money uh, killing it and getting and, and destroying a prime minister yeah. in order to and, not have to yeah. c- contribute. But before you get to the next bit on the on the family thing, I just want to say like the, the family the family violence thing is one aspect of that. There's also the other aspect of um, you've got situations with. Uh, with chi- children seeing other parents, not the live with yeah. parent, mm. um, where live with parents can use this situation to um, exert more yeah. control in that mm. situation, prevent the prevent the child from seeing the other parent. Because if you know you're coming into winter and all the public facilities are shut, mm. yeah. Well, and that's the other and, and the other point Brandon makes, which is uh, quite a good and valid point, is that we are coming into winter, we are coming into flu yeah. season, we are coming into a season where people are already getting sick, where people, especially people who are vulnerable, need to go to hospital. They get mm. flu, they get pneumonia, they get really sick, they need the doctor, they need the hospital, they need these facilities. And if COVID's still hanging around, it can really mm. exacerbate that. I'd like to hear what the numbers are for the, the extra capacity we put back. Because keep in mind that the reason we don't have any capacity is that our entire economic system is one of grind that yeah. capacity out. It's non-productive. Mm. It's not profitable capacity. Grind it out. Save the money. That's yeah, how profit we get rich. at all costs. All but the time. we've yeah. and profit and and the way to get that profit is to not have excess mm. capacity because excess capacity is by definition wasteful yeah. when you don't That's need that. it. Yep. So it costs money to have that capacity available. So given that we've now had this has only been a month, two months that we've been taking this seriously. Yeah. How much of this extra capacity have they actually put in? This like, if we're not waiting for a vaccine, then the other thing we need to be doing in this time is build. Well, we went through a list of the things that they were looking at. Yeah. But one of those they talk about surge capacity. I haven't seen any numbers of like how much extra capacity have we yeah. put in, and yeah. how. I don't think we have put that much more no, capacity. No, in. we couldn't have. Well, there's, and there's, the. Oh, sorry, and I was going to say there's hard limits on things where, you know, like the with the ventilators and the respirators in hospitals, uh, like again, talking to the nurse friend, like there's just not, the whole world's in shortage of those. They just physically can't produce enough to give everyone surge capacity for that. Like they're just, they're on such big mm. back orders. I mean, you can't even buy an Xbox at the moment. They're on back, back order. Like, you know. like Yeah. I mean, what are the nurses supposed to do while they're waiting yeah. for no. I'm joking. Nobody has any time. They're all being worked ludicrous time hours when they're there. And there's been all sorts of weird knock-ons. Like, so people are forced to stay at home, so they're ordering more online. But we're not flying, so Australia Post, who would normally leverage flights that were existing to get packages around the country, Mm. has now. So now they're booking more Qantas planes uh, to just specifically take packages around the country, which is good. But like, there's been all these interesting knock-on effects, like in in intertwined uh, situations where they, they've had to work around them. So, you know, you're trying to stay home, you're trying to shop online, um, you know, your kid needs some new clothes or you need a new pair of jeans because mm. you've torn your butt out. And, well, I mean, that's one and, of the things I And you order them online and then you don't get it for three weeks because we can't get packages places because there's yeah. no one flying. Like, it's... So there's only so much you can do about the vaccine. That, I mean, you can put the resources in, but there is a time frame that you can, you know, can only speed up so much. The um, increasing the capacity of the hospitals is a gradual thing and I don't know that they've, they've really got... You know, there's only... S- so much that they can do, even if they pulled out all the stops, which I don't think they've done. Um, but yeah, you've got. But then there are things that, that you, we could be doing that would be improving the life, you know, the ability of the country to respond if you ease restrictions and the numbers start going up. And th- as you said, there are things like the surgical masks and the and the, and the equipment, protective equipment. Mm. Mm. Now they can't produce that instantaneously, but it is the sort of thing that you would imagine that a government would be able to um, increase the capacity to manufacture and do over a period of. You know, shorter than the eighteen months to get the vaccine. Yeah. 
um, there would be ways of repurposing existing facility, like to increase that capacity, maybe make that the time frame before you can look at starting to ease restrictions. But I haven't, I don't think that Australia's doing anything right. with that. Like when they say that we've got masks, enough masks yeah. for what? For yeah, how like how many, how many are enough? And that's again, like when they say they have surge capacity, well, so they currently have surge capacity in flu season. Do they have surge capacity? Mm. Do we have surge capacity if we start doing elective surgeries and people have complications from those? Like, there is a whole yeah, bunch once of questions. We start switching stuff back on. That surge capacity disappears pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I suppose one thing we can be grateful for is that we're not living in a country like in America, where I heard somewhere that Trump oh, is God. buying or like seizing all the additional masks and protective equipment oh, they're yeah. wearing, and then. <laughs> Auctioning it off to the highest state bidder, like that's insane. And, 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 and governors are like getting stuff in and then like putting it, sending it to undisclosed locations so that the go- the federal government can't take it from them. Like they're having and to play funny. That, a state governor has taken stuff that was supposed to go to his hospitals in his state. I forget which. Uh, yeah. I think that and has taken it and he's stockpiling it. <laughs> so it's like his own hospitals have not gotten this stuff, and apparently the the scuttlebutt is that he's going to sell it, but. Yeah. What? I, I I am glad that one of the other advantages of having the um, sort of National Council, the premiers and so forth, is that it's not all coming down to the chief medical officer we had who was not an epidemiologist, who was the one who was like, you know, when the when the virus was going up, he's like going and shaking people's hands oh, on insiders. Yeah. Mm. Like, what? You remember that? Um, I don't know. I haven't actually checked if he's still. The, I assume he's still the chief medical officer. But at least if you've got it being sort of decentralised in the other the other states, looking at it in their medical facilities and their medical infrastructure, yeah. um, advising the premiers, yeah. then it kind of overrides when you've got problems at the federal level. Talking of, I suppose we should probably touch into this week's culture war. So the Victorian deputy health chief whose name is Dr. Van Diemen, uh, as, in, as in the old name for Tasmania, Van Diemen, that, that, Van Diemen, that spelling. So Dr. Van Diemen, uh, Victoria's Deputy Health Chief, tweeted on her own private time, and in relation to the fact that you've got the 250th anniversary of the um, Captain Cook arrival, uh, she tweeted, Sudden arrival of an invader from another land, decimating populations, creating terror, forces the population to make enormous sacrifices and completely change how they live in order to survive. COVID-19 or Cook 1770. <laughs> so naturally, uh, the entire right-wing free speech, everybody should be able to say what they like, how dare you control our speech, you fascists. That entire uh, apparatus has immediately fired up with, she must be sacked! She must be sacked! <laughs> of course, of course. The yeah. public service is supposed to be apolitical. Mm. And, mm. and she's got out there expressing a political opinion about people who've been dead for centuries. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do they think? It's offensive to them and yeah. the people who are also dead for a long time who knew them. <laughs> like, I'm surprised that that hasn't led to that uh, Yasmin uh, abdul Magid or whatever copying flack again because it seems like any time anyone mentions Captain Cook, someone brings up the, you know her, uh, her tweet from Anzac Day years ago or whatever and they go after her again. <laughs> oh, look, if there was some way for them to link, if there was, if, if there was a word in common, hang on, uh, lest we forget... No, she hasn't used lest we or forget. No. Nauru, Manasar. No, there's a, there's no words in common. But even if the was still the word in common, um, they would still find a way of doing it. The Herald Sun headline. So this was literally their main story on a day. You know, we, the virus is still quite deadly. Anyway, their their main story was okay. I'll, I'll pay this headline writer. It's Cook Line a stinker. So good. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good headline writing. It is, of course, uh, an asinine, stupid story. Deputy Health Chief Spouks outrage with tweet likening virus outbreak to terror in quotes of Captain Cook's quote invasion. Okay, so yes, Captain Cook didn't invade Australia, Mm -hmm. but uh, he was part of the naval expedition that then gave that then was part of the on the setup that then led to European invasion of Australia. The foothold. I don't feel like the word. Invasion really deserves quotes there. Like, there were a whole lot of countries uh, on this land, and we supplanted them. Uh, I, I feel like the word invasion is... Uh, we didn't, we didn't form, make it right to do a treaty with them. Yeah. We didn't do it without killing a lot of them. I, I feel like it's fairly clear that that was an invasion. I don't feel like it deserves quote tweets. If you measure it on the definition of invasion, it absolutely... Like, if you just go through the definition of invasion, it ticks all the boxes. That's exactly what it mm. is. And I say, look, if, you, if you're unable to see that Captain... You know, if you're just saying Captain Cook as one person, symbolic of nothing, I guess, yes, Captain Cook didn't literally invade Australia. Yeah. But Captain Cook... We're not celebrating that Captain Cook visited Australia. Yeah. That's not, the 250 thing is not like some guy who visited because there were lots of other people who also visited Australia. And we're not spending the huge amount of money that we're spending, uh, that, that, that Scummer wants to spend on, on the Captain Cook memorials. It's <laughs> because Captain Cook was the vanguard of the, Euro, the, the English invasion of Australia, the which is the one yeah. that actually ended up seeing. So, yeah, so I, like, I love all the patronising history lessons from these right-wing idiots. They go like, well, if you're such a moron that you think that Captain Cook invaded Australia, <laughs> like he didn't invade Australia at all. He just came and then went again. Well, then we wouldn't be celebrating him as having... Yeah, yeah. it's an intentional yeah. misunderstanding so they can, you know, like, they intentionally misunderstand it so they can, you know, uh, attribute it to, well, you, you're all idiots. It's like, no, that's not... You've missed what we're... You've missed the point completely, but okay, cool. <laughs> and the, the dickhead Liberal member for um, Brighton has, has written to the public service here, chief here, demanding that she be investigated because they want her sacked. Peter Dutton has declared that she should be sacked. Let, let's not pay attention to the other thing that happened about Peter Dutton being that, uh, that there was that million-dollar um, property that he failed to declare. Oh, and never oh. mind that the whole Angus Taylor thing with, you know, him. Oh, being caught out. But the company that he owned poisoning the grasslands and the... Let's forget all that stuff, stuff because there was a public servant who said a thing that's unpatriotic, mm. potentially. And, mm. and for, like, I don't know, when, when stories like that come out, like the Angus Taylor one, the Peter Dutton one, as a journalist at the moment, wouldn't you be scraping for anything that's not corona-related? Like, in a way, mm. I think, you know, everything that can be said about it is somewhat has been said. If I was a journalist, I'd be like, what? There's some, like, actual political scandal I can go after right now? Fuck yeah, let's go. Like, let's dig this up. This should be on the front page. Like, And that, that's why that's why we on this podcast have spent this entire episode talking about those specific yeah, things true. and not about the virus. Look, exactly. fair. All right, sorry. <laughs> Good point. Um <laughs> Can I, can I bring up something? Okay, this isn't exactly related, but it was just a moment. Uh, it was probably about a week or two ago that I just found absolutely ridiculous. Was when um, Jacinta Ardern had said that she was again, like actually leading, saying that they're going to, if they're going to reduce the, you know, some people are losing their income, they're going to reduce some of the the members of parliament's income as well. And then when Frydenberg was asked if they do the same, they're like. Well, we have put a freeze on our two percent pay rise, and then yeah. like just like, just walked away with his head held high. Oh, I was like, "But did you see? Fuck did you see me. the right was coming they're out? The heroes, they're the heroes we deserve. Wait, no, <laughs> no, they're not. Do you reckon? I, I mean, I haven't looked this one up, but um, you know, homework assignment for anybody who gives a shit enough to find out. But I, I, I'm willing to put money that the same people who um, a week or so ago were complaining about public servants. Get it? Not, not, they're not losing their jobs. They're not taking pay cuts. Well, like the rest of us, why don't we? Why aren't we cutting public servant salaries? 
I'm willing to bet that very few of those people have also called for the Liberals to cut the politicians' salaries. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, I don't, well, I don't the actually... Po- the politicians do actual work as opposed to the public servants who just sit in offices. No, no, <laughs> just sit there. Just constantly sitting in offices, sitting away, just, just sitting, sitting there. Chilling really sitting. out. <laughs> Taking it easy. I mean, I mean, very rarely do they they spend taxpayer money trying to get other public servants sacked, like like the Bomor- the, the Brighton um, MP did. Like yeah, what a waste! Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's he's also there spreading lies about. I think Victoria's um, mooting the idea of a of a um, land tax on on uh, properties of more than two million dollars instead of stamp duty, because stamp duty is a, a an economically damaging way of raising revenue. Yeah. Um, because it stops. Transfers of property rather yeah. than rather than actually yeah. hitting hitting the wealth, so it just encourages people to sit on land that they're not really using. Whereas a land tax is a very equitable ra- way of raising revenue. Exactly, it's hard to avoid if you like. You literally, the land is there. You can't like smuggle the land overseas. Like it's sitting there. You, can, you know, <laughs> if you're registered as owning it, it's pretty easy to tax it. Um, what do you mean? You say you couldn't like register it in the Bahamas, like your cruise ship? <laughs> no, no, you can't register your land in the Bahamas. You can't <laughs> register your Victorian land. In it. No, um, and also like it's a way of taxing what actually what is actually valuable and what where where people actually put put their money, and it discourages yeah. people from over speculating in property and just mm. sitting on it. Yep. Like a land tax is a also vastly just... better way of taxing people than than stamp duty, than consumption yeah. taxes. Well, and it also discourages land banking in for developers. So yeah. where you know they purchase huge tracts of land and, and they, they release, it. they drip it, they drip yeah. feed it. Yeah. So they drip feed it to create maximum um, profits for themselves. And if they had these land taxes, that would actually impact their ability and, and desire to drip feed, yeah, which but, could perhaps you know lower house prices. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure that the uh, the, the self interested lobbyists who, who clearly have no impact on the Victorian government whatsoever checking out, check out the rental laws uh, I'm sure that they will definitely go through unamended and definitely won't like the, it's like all of these things the people who need to be negatively affected like landlords or or property developers who are sitting on this money or the landlords who are exploit who are treating tenants like shit all these people who are um, they have money. They have resources to lobby politicians. Yeah. And um, they will say to them, but we will lose money if you make this change. It'll hurt us economically. Yes. That's not a f- bug. Yeah, it's, That's a feature. It's, That's the yeah. whole point. With It is 100% about yeah. um, taking the money that you've been able to squeeze out of the system and and it going where, where it should Absolutely. Back yeah. where it should have been in the first place. Um, it is, yes, you will, in order for the rest of us to not be screwed by you, yes, you will lose the money you've been able to gain by screwing us. But that's okay. They're going to extend the first homebuyer stamp tax stamp duty, <laughs> uh, relief here in Victoria, oh, so it's okay. It, it has been a, it's something I've been ranting around for ages, especially at work and stuff. It's like we seem to pro- like protect people. Like we treat profit as a right. Like... You know, hmm. these certain businesses, the fact that they, like banks especially, they have a right to profit at higher and higher rates every year and never do anything. It's like, no, no, no. Businesses can operate at a loss. Like, yeah. businesses aren't people. So you can operate a business at a loss. So if maybe one year the banks or certain other huge industries or whatever, it's like, maybe, okay, maybe they do their part. Maybe they take a hit this year. They don't They don't earn like $3 billion more than they earned the last year, even though the year's been terrible. Uh, maybe we, they don't make that profit and they make it slightly easier for the rest of us. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like that, that, we're, we're, we're treating businesses uh, much better than we treat people. And well, it's insane. 
Interestingly, I got a very generous email from a business, from NAB, my, our bank. <laughs> um, and you know what? Because it's such a challenging time for their customers, they're reducing their credit card minimum monthly payments <clears throat> to either 0.5% of their closing balance or $5, whichever is greater. They're not reducing interest. Yeah. They're not they're not t- putting off the interest, but you'll only have to pay this until at least the end of July. <laughs> hang, hang on, hang on. Point five, given that the interest rates that they're paying to anybody else are also staggering. Like uh the like the, the cash rate now is what point seven Oh yeah, what, but like if you it's point five. It's point five, like but your credit card rates are, are wild, substantially high. Are yeah. substantially yeah. high. And so they're not with this saying not only are we actually going to help you. We're actually going to make it worse. We're just not going to try and foreclose, you know, try and repossess your car or whatever during this moment. We're just going to keep ramping up your debt. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's it's sort of like the rent thing. Like, we're still going to ramp up the debt. We're still going to ramp up the interest. And they actually put in here saying, um, it's important that you have the option to pay less during this difficult time. But keep in mind that paying more than the minimum monthly payment will help reduce the interest you pay. Uh So, like, they acknowledge the fact that the interest is going to be there and that this is going to increase. Because they haven't passed on the interest But they're not actually assisting. Like, they're not actually, they're not saying we're going to reduce your interest for this period till the 24th of July. Their interest has been, the the interest that they're paying in relation to the money that they loaned you has been reduced because the the cash rate's been reduced. But But they haven't passed that on. They're being hugely generous and helpful. (laughs) It's like what I was going to say about the the landlords and the and the the land banking people um, is not let's play play a a bluey for my daughter. Uh, I was going to say the um, the landlords threaten we'll sell up and go, and the developers would be like, well, we couldn't you know run our businesses by in the same way if we had to pay land taxes on on the vast amount of property that we just sit on and eke out slowly, and you're like. Yes, yep, because cool. those are bad things. <laughs> that is the point. <laughs> I, that, we one hundred percent want to force you to stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, landlords. If you don't want to treat, if you want, if tenants having decent rights over their homes is doesn't appeal to you as an investor, and you want to, and that, and that means that you're going to sell up. Fuck off out of the market. That's yeah. great. Yeah, do but- leave. And they, they, they're like, oh, but then they won't, you know, reduce the rental supply. No, not unless you, if you're going to smash down the house, sure. But if you're just selling it to someone else, the house is still there. <laughs> <laughs> like either yeah. a re- either a landlord's gonna another landlord will buy it and rent it out without being a jerk, or an owner occupier will buy it. In which case, either way, the effect on the total um, supply demand thing is zero. Yeah, it's like whenever you bring that up, you sort of say, you know, like it's actually better for our economy if more people own their own homes. You know, like if yeah. that's more widespread, and then people go, oh yeah, but then the land, like, but what about the people who all yeah, their? What about you the know, landlords? It's like yeah, it's like okay, yes. Won't somebody like, think of the landlords? Yeah, someone has to lose. Like you know, okay, someone will lose a little bit. Why should it always be the lowest on the ladder? <laughs> like if yeah, we're yeah. gonna spread it out, like why? I, I don't. I've never understood that. Like why should it be the people who have benefited the most from the system don't can't they acknowledge they have to give up a little bit to make it equal for everybody there's no way to make it equal without them giving we're not up. we're not actually saying they have to give it up either what mm. we're saying is you have to change your behavior from the harmful thing you're doing yeah if you don't want to lose so you've got an option you can just get out of the market entirely and, and, and do it now but again they always bring up this mystical unicorn whenever they have these discussions about a senior pensioner who only owns one investment property and it's somehow their income and if we force them out of the market and we're punishing them and it's like, wait, what? Uh, yeah. Okay. So they probably own their own home already. They might be getting a pension because that's what makes them a pensioner. Yep. Yeah, um, so they don't have re- like, they don't have rental costs like ordinary pensioners. Like what? 
Mm. And they still get a pension, which they shouldn't. But yeah. well, I suppose that's, that's a whole other issue, which we, we are not going to get into at the tail end of the podcast, yeah. which yeah. is uh, whether, mean, whether the idea of limiting things through means testing is actually the way to go anyway, or whether you simply provide things universally to everyone and then just tax the people who've got the, re- the, the results at the top yeah. instead. So instead of being like constantly, you know, instead of being like the public health system, let's try and stop the rich using it. No, mm-hmm. no, no. I don't want the rich to be stopped from using it. I want the rich to have to use it because that's the only way that it gets run yeah. properly. Yeah. If, if it's there, if, if the rich have to use the public health and the public education systems and they can't just escape out of them to private systems, yeah. then they can't let the public systems atrophy because they have to use them. Yeah. yeah. I don't want them out of it. Yeah, this, I want this to two-tier tax- system is messed up. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that is that is a that, that is a topic for the next time when when we three meet again uh, in thunder lightning or really cold weather hiding under a doona. <laughs> And look, I would actually like to uh, add an amusing note to this podcast. I know we often have many amusing You're going to try notes. and find something light from the week's Australian politics news, okay? I am, I am. <laughs> Apparently, former Obama White House staffers really hated Tony Abbott. Oh. And whenever they were pissed off at him, they would listen to Julia Gillard's misogyny speech. That's so good. I read that story earlier in the week too. <laughs> Love it. I'm just like, especially leading into like the Paris Agreement in that period of time. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Abbott was out there both, like you have all these climate um, conferences, like including one in Brisbane. Yeah. And Abbott's up there. Like the rest of the world is trying to do something about climate change, and Abbott is boasting about how he's axing the you know, the pri- carbon price mechanism that existed, yeah. Yeah. the one thing that was really working, yeah. and he's boasting to the rest of the world, "We're getting rid of that." Yeah, oh. and apparently Obama went way off script when he blasted oh. Abbott at that uh, at the Brisbane conference. Mm. That I, was not supposed to. I'm happen. assuming I'm assuming they just sort of played like a the, the highlight bit of that that speech. Yeah, or they, the whole. I have no idea. They just said that they she, they would watch the misogyny speech. Hmm. Yeah, that like, yeah, that's. I kind of love that story. I love it because I yeah. really, Tony Abbott. I found one of the most infuriating people on the face oh, of the God. earth. Oh God, I hated him. But it, yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to be a fly on the wall, especially when you know, like you get a leader like Obama who you know, like was a bit more like i have my own problems with him but he was a bit more switched on like just to see his face when he was meeting in private with tony abbott and tony abbott would have said some of the things he's like just to see that like the look on his face going what the fuck is this moron on about like god i would love that well i think that that was the other remark that they made that 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 that, because it was on i think it was on danny lick's uh podcast yeah yeah yeah. and the other point they that that uh person made was that abbott he was a person who was profoundly ignorant about things but didn't realise it. He was extremely confident about stuff that he had no idea what he was talking yeah. about, which is one of the most obnoxious people to deal with. I, I have to say, so I like find... Trump. Yeah, yeah well, that's tying it up to what we were speaking about earlier, that's what people love about him because so many... There's, there's people I know who I went to school with who are you know, like a very ignorant people and they're proud of it. They take it as a point of pride. But wait... If bleach kills this virus <laughs> and the virus is inside us, what if we put the bleach, wait for it, inside us? <laughs> the thing about that, I know this, we had a, I think we had a conversation with somebody the other day about, about whether Trump, the, the extent to which Trump is actually a moron and the extent to which he, he plays it up. I, I think that it fits in with the Tony Abbott thing. And I think Trump has rat cunning, but he has the classic privileged white guy thing of overestimating his actual knowledge and mm. he's always been lazy he's never bothered learning anything for himself he picks up shit randomly and doesn't really think it through because he doesn't care because he's a smart he, he, he thinks of himself as the smartest guy he knows what he's he, he thinks he knows better than everybody he's a narcissist so, who makes narcissists yeah. look yeah. kind and gentle so i think that the case with things like the antibiotics and the um, bleach thing i don't think that trump realized 
how stupid what he was oh, saying. Oh God, no! Was. Oh. I, I, no, yeah, that's right. I think he genuinely thought that he was saying stuff that you know, if if people knew about, it, if people were smart as him, they'd see what what a good idea he was having. Common sense, mate. That's street smart. It's just a bit of common sense. Yeah. Which is why afterwards he has to come back and be like, oh, when he, when people, I was using sarcasm. Yeah, when people point out like you. how dumb what he said really was, then he's not going to go, shit, I was wrong. He's going to go, yeah, he, he can't, his brain would explode if he can, if he recognised what an idiot he'd come across as. So he's, yeah. he finds ways of yeah. ex, you know, weaseling out of it. But yeah, I don't think, and same with Abbott. I don't think Abbott, I, I, just, I just think that it's a standard phenomenon that you see with um, privileged white guys of... Not recognizing well, they've never their own limitations and I, the overconfidence. Yeah, you know, what's the thing? I, you know, if only to have the overconfidence of a mediocre white guy. Yeah, that's it. Um, he's never had to okay. face the consequences of ever actually being wrong. Like his whole life, you know. Like, and again, I always bring stuff back to religion, especially with these leaders who are in that world. You know, from that world, it is a part of it where they're told you're you're the man, you're the one in charge. Like everything you say, like, and they tell that that's how they treat their wives and that they're like, no, 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 you're the man. God says you're the one that should be in charge. So no one should question you, and so they just go their whole lives unquestioned. Whenever they do come up wrong, they just bluster straight through it, just keep going, and it works out. Oh, and, or they find, and they find a scapegoat. So you've yeah. got yeah. Trump. Trump will um, punish anyone who dares cross him to the point where he's surrounded by complete sycophants. Now. Yeah. But also, also they, they're working really hard, um, and this is where it links back to Australian politics because you've got the thing where Trump and Scott Morrison, this government, are busy trying to ramp up uh, this independent... I have an independent inquiry in relation to a foreign government. But anyway, <laughs> an independent inquiry into China in relation to its handling of, of COVID-19. And in fact, in the Trump vision... Like trying to sort of insinuate that there was some, uh, it was a deliberately constructed virus in the Wuhan virus lab. And our government's jumping in on this. I don't think our government's stupid enough to be saying, oh, we think it was deliberately constructed. But, but, you know, obviously China is a brutal authoritarian state that does nasty shit and covers things up and crushed, you know, where where it was going to be embarrassing for itself. You know, it's. yeah, of course it did evil shit in relation yeah. to it. It does evil shit all the time. Mm. Like, we're not calling for an international inquiry into what's happening to the Uyghurs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, yeah. We are putting our necks out to be like, we demand that, that there be an international inquiry into, into China. I don't, I don't know what we think we're going to achieve the, by The amount of people, though, around here where I live that, go, that are now going, see... Paul and Hanson was right all along. Oh, God. We should have been oh, listening God. to Paul. Like, it's upsetting. Yeah, far right. Yeah. Far, far right. Well, that's where that's I live, baby. Right. Gatton, 4343. Three. We love it. Yeah, but the thing is, you see it in, uh, like, I've seen on Twitter a lot of people who, you know, born and raised in New Zealand, born and raised in Australia, who are of Chinese background, being told, you know, go back to where you came from and having racist crap shouted at them again. Like, it's, 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 hap- it it's still up. happening. Yeah. It was reported at the beginning of the virus and it's still happening. And weirdly enough, it's not the competent governments who dealt with the crisis in a sensible fashion like New Zealand's who are running this. Yeah. It's the governments like Trump and, to a lesser extent, oh, Morrison, who have shit they've done wrong that's caused problems yeah. in relation to the management of it, who are looking for someone to blame. The idea of Trump turning around to China and trying to blame them for the fact that he's completely arsed up the management of the of the it, within the US yeah. and being like, well, but it wouldn't have come here if they'd done a much better job than I did. Uh it's just, just staggering, but anyway. Talking of middle-class white guys who opine on stuff possibly beyond their expertise. Oh, no, this is a dig at me. <laughs> I was actually a self, self-deprecating dig at myself after, at the end of this podcast. Oh, okay, good, okay. I was like, oh, no, I'm about to cop it. <laughs> uh, I should be like, maybe, maybe we should stop the podcast now. <laughs> but actually, the, the one person who's not a middle-class white guy, I think, I think Denise had something she wanted to say. 
No, I'm good. Oh, you're just looking at me like... <laughs> I, I thought you were going to get me out of the hole. I just sort of dove for myself. <laughs> Isn't that what... Everybody's supposed to come around and help dig the middle-class white guys out of the holes we've dug for ourselves. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, <laughs> oh very no. disappointing. All right, well, that's probably the place to end it. Nick, <laughs> Nick yes. before I dig this hole any, any deeper, you know, if only, if only I'd paid attention to it, to the lessons from Minecraft, don't never dig down. Never keep digging straight down <laughs> or up. It doesn't, you're gonna get lava on your head. I don't know what. I'm, just what? Are <laughs> so Nick, where can we find you on the internet? <laughs> uh, look, I'm on all the all the social platforms, Instagram and that. Like search comedian Nick Carr, or on Facebook, I believe I am the Ginger Bear. Like facebook.com/slash/thegingerbear. Um, but I've got a new podcast that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, Sorry, I'm just I'm just like that. The ginger, like just a little bit too hot. You're going to get those those surveillance mechanisms. You know, those cameras are going to picking up that Facebook identity. They're going to ping me straight away. I've got a new podcast coming out called uh, Car Crash. It's uh, the Australian comedy scene intervening on me for how dumb my comedy's become, and uh, hopefully it's going to be it's going to be quite brutal for my self esteem, I think. But it should be a lot of fun. Look, it's good. So that's that'll be coming out this week. Excellent. Well, uh, make sure to link us when it is. Absolutely, we will do so. At well, may we say on Twitter is where we'll be tweeting things, uh, and also best way to. To reach us. Mm-hmm. Denise, where can people find you on the toots? I remain Deansy on Twitter, D W E N S E Y. And yes, people can find the podcast at Well May We Say. Also, I want to say thank you very much to our new Patreon subscriber, Chris. Thank you for coming on board, and thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. You are how the podcast keeps going. We are incredibly grateful for, for your support, particularly at this time when, when it's actually, it, it actually turns out to, whilst everybody's at home, that means everybody's at home. Yeah. And it turns out to be substantially harder getting podcasts out. But yeah. the support really helps. And they've, they've earned themselves an early mark and they can get out from under the doona. Absolutely. <laughs> the enemy wants to be... Ex- to be um, or, or they can stay under the doona yeah, if no, got, they choose. You've got the right to stay yeah. under as many doonas as you like. Hey, have a free audio doona from us. <laughs> da, 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 da. That is... Uh, I, I was actually... I was doing the audio doona, but the audio doona is kind of silent. Oh, was it? Okay. Unless you've got one of those, like, tr- that comes with a fan <laughs> Anyway, thank you for, po- for listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you for leaving uh, positive reviews on the iTunes store. Uh, it's still, as far as I know, the only place to leave reviews for the podcast. Uh, you can... And most, most apps will let you. Most yeah, podcast apps. Don't, don't go to your podcast app and give them a five-star review on the, on the app store. No, no, no. Go <laughs> on podcast app anyway. Wow, this has gone off the rails. All right, Nick, thank you. Denise, thank you. Right, thank, thank you, you subscribers. Having... Thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. Thank you, Alex Lund, for the artwork. And we'll see you all next week. See you later. Bye. Bye. Podcast.